Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13 this morning. If you'd like to follow along uh, with me and take notes, uh, there's a sermon study guide there uh, provided for you. Luke chapter 13, I'm preaching through the gospel of Luke. And my dad asked me last night as he prayed over me, are you preaching a Mother's Day sermon, Phil? I said, no, I'm preaching what the Lord preached. I'm preaching through the Bible. I've preached plenty of Mother's Day sermons. We're going to honor and give tribute to moms, but we're going to stick with our preaching and teaching through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, this is my third service preaching at this morning, and I'm going to learn to wear white shirts from now on when I preach three full services. And uh, what a delight it is to be able to minister uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ from Luke chapter 13. We, we had uh, four people that found Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior at our last service. Oodles of people rededicated their lives to the Lord this morning. God is moving in His church. Let's hear the word of the Lord uh, this morning as we're going through the gospel of, of Luke. Have you ever been shocked? I received a shock yesterday. I'm driving down M53, and all of a sudden, the front end of my car began vibrating violently, and at any second, I thought that the hood was going to pop open, and uh, that the hood was going to smash our windshield and come flying off the car, and uh, I quick got off the road uh, as I was going south on M53, I believe it was 31-mile road, and sure enough, the hood of my car had become unlatched and it was about ready to be ripped right on off. And I've, this has never happened to me before and I wondered how could this happen? I was in shock. I had even a greater shock when I asked my wife, honey, when you loaded the car, what button did you push? What latch did you pull to open up the trunk lid? She said, that one right there. I said, honey, that's the hood latch. The trunk lid button is on the car door. You could have killed us. <laughs> a person in Luke 13 asked a pivotal question that most of Luke chapter 13 revolves around. When this person asked this question, Jesus' answer was a shock to him or her. Read it with me, Luke 13, 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? If you would study the context, you'd find out that this person was assuming that only a few people would be saved because only Jews would be saved. In this person's mind, salvation, the kingdom of God, heaven was only reserved for the Jews. And then here comes the shock. Listen to what Jesus says. Luke 20, Luke 13. Verse 24, the door to heaven is narrow. 
Work hard to get in. For the truth is that many will try to enter, but when the head of the house has locked the door, it'll be too late. Then if you stand outside mocking or, or, or knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us, he will reply, I do not know you. But we ate with you, and you taught in our streets, you will say. And he'll reply, I tell you, I don't know you. You can't come in here. Guilty as you are, go away. There will be great weeping and gnashing of teeth as you stand outside and see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets within the kingdom of God. For people will come all over the world to take their places there. And note this, some who are despised now will be greatly honored then. And some who are highly thought of now will be least important then. Pray with me as we preach to you a message God's placed upon my heart, the door. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we consider the door of doors, that Lord, that you'll grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive what your Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you're following along with me this morning, mark it down. What is this door that Jesus is talking about? What is this door of doors? This is an ordinary prop. This is an ordinary door up here. But it represents the door that Jesus was referring to. When Jesus used a figure of speech, when Jesus used a symbol, when Jesus used the metaphor of a door, the Jewish audience he was speaking to was well versed in understanding the concept of a door being access to salvation. The first door ever mentioned in the Bible. Anybody know where the first door is ever mentioned in the Bible? Noah's Ark. God instructed Noah to build, to fashion, design a door into that great ship. How many doors did the ark have? One. That's very important. That's very significant. When judgment fell, Noah and his family were inside the ark because dad heard from God. I said dad saved his family because dad heard from God and dad brought his family in. But that's Father's Day. And once they were safe inside and judgment was falling, then who shut the door? God did. Let there be no confusion on that. God shut the door. When God shuts a door, no man can open it. And I can imagine in that hour, and the Jewish audience of Jesus' day knew it well, that there were thousands, there were, there, 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 there were those that came, beating, let us in. But God's door didn't open. That youth pastor, he left that thing on latch. <laughs> Beating on that door. Please. I can imagine as the rainwaters, the floodwaters were, were rising, they lifted their children up. Please let us in. But it was too late. God shut the door. The Jewish audience was well versed in understanding and knowing that there was the Passover door. 
The Passover door figured huge within Israel's mind. When God sent nine plagues on Egypt and Pharaoh still hardened his heart and would not let the people go in freedom and kept them as slaves, God sent a destroying angel. The destroyer, Satan. To kill the firstborn of every home whose doorway was not what? A doorway that was not painted, was not covered by what? The blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb. Anyone that was behind the door covered by the blood. Anyone that was behind the door painted by the blood was safe. They found salvation. The door figured huge within the mind of the Jewish people. They understood the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies in the temple or the tabernacle. What dwelt? Who dwelt in the holy of holies? Come on, say it like you mean it. God. The presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. A man could only enter the Holy of Holies one time a year on the Day of Atonement. And only then he had to be the high priest. Only then as he sprinkled blood before him. He was able to enter into the presence of God. The veil, that thick heavy veil, figured in an enormous way as a doorway, an access point that was open or shut for the high priest within the Holy of Holies. Again, only the blood opened the way. And only then, once a year. Jesus, earlier, before Luke chapter 13, Jesus in His ministry finally identified who uh, or what was the door. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. Jesus, after Noah's ark's door, after the Passover door, after the veil and the Holy of Holies, Jesus finally said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Jesus, the ultimate door. Jesus, the ultimate Passover lamb. His ultimate blood shed for the remission of many sins. Now, I must share with you that in preaching that type of message that Jesus alone is the door, that I would be considered by most of our culture, I would be considered, sad to say, by many other fellow colleagues and many fellow pastors today, I would be considered an intolerant, intolerant self-righteous bigot being very prejudicial because I am being exclusive. Because I am not teaching that there are many doors to heaven. If you're really with it, they say today, you need to preach and teach that there are many different ways to God. There's many different ways, doorways to heaven, salvation, the kingdom. But I ask you this question. Was it Buddha that received 
the Roman scourge was Buddha whipped were the stripes laid upon him and by his stripes you are healed was it Confucius who received the nails in his hands the nails in his feet was it Muhammad that hung upon that cross and cried out it is finished no only one hung upon that tree only one cried out uh, paid in full it is finished only one rose from the dead and only one sits at the right hand of the father and it's not confucius it's not muhammad it is not uh, buddha only one sits at the right hand of authority and his name is jesus 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 said i am the way i am the truth i am the life no man comes to the father except by me I am the door, and no one can be saved except through me. Let the record be complete. Let the scripture be complete. When was this door opened? When Jesus shouted from the cross, It is finished. He had shed his blood, and the debt was paid paid in full the price for your sins and my sins paid in full by the shed blood of jesus christ and the bible says that the moment jesus cried out it is finished that even the veil in the temple was ripped in two from the top to the bottom supernatural and an access a way was made into the very presence of god as long as the door of grace is open. For this door of grace is not just a doorway of salvation. It's not just a doorway to heaven. But the blood of Jesus has granted you and I access into the very presence of God. Where He hears us. Where He walks and talks with us. Where you have power and authority in the name of Jesus. All because the door of grace has been opened. But Luke chapter 13 verse 25 has five of the most chilling words in the Bible. It will be too late. Think of it. One day it will be too late to impact lives through your prayer. Through your ministry. Through your witnessing. Your soul winning. One day it will be too late to give it another offering and be able to see precious lives like Gina Toko impacted, born again, saved, her and her family for Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 9, 4, as long as it is day, we must do the work of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Is there an urgency in your heart? Is there an urgency in your commitment to ministry? Is there a passion in you to see souls saved? Is there a passion in you to press into God for all that you have? There's passion in hell. Hell is mounting an all-out campaign against who? Huh? Are demons surrounding the old folks' home? Are demons, I, I, I mean, pressing in to, to, to really tempt uh, uh, old people in the convalescent center, the nursing homes? Where is hell's all-out campaign being directed against? Our children, our young people, 
our young adults. I just got a stat this week. 83% of kids drop out of church by age 16 and never return again. 83%. If we won't reach them, peer pressure won't, will. If we don't reach them, the pornographer will. If we don't reach them, the drug peddler will. Pray with me even right now as Pastor Ben May is preaching in our middle school service. Many of our young people are there right now as they're having a middle school service and he's preaching the gospel on their level because it has gone down earlier. What we used to preach to 16-year-olds has to be preached now to 11 and 12-year-olds. Listen, no amount of time or energy or money will be spared to, for hell to reach our children for hell's gospel. That's the reason for our phase four vision. This Wednesday night, I need you there. Hear the heart of your pastor. We have spent two years in putting together a vision for one reason and one reason alone, that we as a church can reach souls more effectively than ever before. We're going to share with you a new design. We're going to share with you the cost estimates for the very first time. This Wednesday night, join me if you would and pray with us. We're going to speak far more than about than just the, 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 the vision of building. We're going to speak about the vision of Lakeside. We're going to speak to you about your vision for your life. This Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right here. Let me ask you a question. Where's the richest real estate on the planet? Have you ever thought about this? Where's the richest plot of land on this planet? It's not a diamond mine in South Africa. Every time you go by a cemetery, I want you to know that you're passing by the richest real estate on the planet. In those graves are unrealized dreams. In those graves are unrealized potential that was never used. Gifts, ideas, energy that was never realized because the day of opportunity swiftly passed by the richest spot on the planet that's why my motto the motto of my personal life is this two words die empty die empty I want to die empty this past December I stood in a prison cell a prison cell that was over 2,000 years old, the prison cell in which Paul the Apostle wrote these words. In 2 Timothy, Paul wrote, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing I don't know about you I want to be like the Apostle Paul I want to be like that coffee commercial good to the last drop good to the last drop I want to go down fighting the fight of faith I want to go down striving and contending for the faith. I want to go down huh, giving my all for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Giving my all for Jesus who gave His all for you and I. Good to the last drop. What's holding you back and attempting great things for God? Are you saying tomorrow I'm going to be a blessing? When I have more time, I'm going to be a blessing. When the kids are raised, I'm going to get involved. 
When I'm retired, then I'm going to really get involved in ministry. What's your excuse? Are you saying I don't have enough talent? Are you saying that uh, I don't have enough experience? Are you, are, you, are you saying I'm afraid? Our God destroys those responses with these words. Paul the Apostle said, what did he declare to us? He didn't say, I can't. He said, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Seize the open doors that God has brought into your life. Seize the open doors of ministry here at Lakeside. Seize the open doors of witness. You never know. You might be the significant person that will change the life of a Gina Toko who then changes her children's lives, her parents' lives for the glory of God. Seize the open doors of ministry before it's too late. Back to Jesus' parable. What will shut this door for us? What will shut this door for us? Let me answer that question with this question. When you got up this morning and looked in the mirror, oh! when you got up this morning and looked in the mirror, did you say, praise God, I'm getting another day younger. It happened yesterday, and now it's happening again today. Every day, I'm getting younger. Every day, I'm getting more time. We look at that as being ludicrous. We look at it as being the height of ignorance. Every heartbeat, every breath that we take is taking us that much closer to eternity. 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 We're all getting older. From the youngest infant in the nursery to the oldest saint in the pew, we're all getting older. You know you're getting older when at the breakfast table you hear snap, crackle, pop, and you ain't eating breakfast cereal. <laughs> you know you're getting older when about half the stuff in your shopping cart is labeled for fast relief. You know you're getting older when all you want for your birthday is to not be reminded how old you are. You know you're getting older when all of your favorite music is now in the clearance aisle at Walmart. You know you're getting older when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt just doesn't work any longer. You know you're getting older when you have furniture disease. What's furniture disease? When your chest starts falling into your drawers. You know you're getting older when it takes twice as long <laughs> to look half as good. You know you're getting older when it takes two tries to try to get out of the couch. And finally you have to ask somebody to help you get out of the couch or, or, or the recliner. You, you know you're getting older when you don't remember. You don't remember when your wild oats turn to shredded wheat. You know you're getting older when you finally get your head together, but now your body's falling apart. You know you're getting older when you get the same sensation in a rocking chair that you used to get in a roller coaster. <laughs> but it's more than old age, isn't it? It's the brevity of life. 
The Bible says that life is here today and gone tomorrow. It's like a mist that evaporates. The one unchanging fact of life is death. And what happens after death? The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. This doesn't sound like a Mother's Day sermon, Pastor. It's the Lord's sermon. It's in the book. And we're in chapter 13. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. The judgment. James Dean was how old when he faced judgment? 24 as he died in a car crash. Actress Marilyn Monroe at 36 died of an overdose of sleeping pills. Rock singer Jim Morrison of the, the, the rock group called The Doors, age 27, drug overdose. Beatle member John Lennon, known for his big hit, the song Imagine, age 40, shot dead in the back. I wonder what he's imagining now. Princess Diana died in a high-speed car crash. She was only 36. JFK Jr., his wife, his sister-in-law, killed in a plane crash that he piloted. He was 38. Olympic gold medalist Florence Griffith Joyner, age 38, died of a heart seizure. Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, won the posthumous Oscar Award for his role as the Joker in the movie, The Dark Knight, he died from an accidental overdose. He was only 28. Pop music legend, Michael Jackson, age 57, different prescription drugs in his body. Brittany Murphy made the movie, Just Married, Clueless, Girl Interrupted, died of a prescription drug overdose. 32. British singer Amy Winehouse, her big hit, Rehab, which is really a song about her life, found dead in her apartment. Drug, alcohol, overdose, 27. Paul Walker, star of the movie franchise, Fast and... And he died like he acted in a fiery crash. He was only 40. Whitney Houston found drowned in her bathtub just recently, February 2012. Her body, her system was loaded with alcohol, cocaine, other drugs. Her last public performance at age 40, her last public performance, she sang one song, Yes, Jesus Loves Me and she went into eternity. Not a one of these woke up the morning of their deaths and knew that they would be in eternity before the sun would go down. It was a shock. The most horrendous aspect of death is the fact that, do you agree with me, death offers no second chance. Death offers no second chance. Purgatory is a lie. 
The crematorium doesn't offer an alternative. The cemetery doesn't offer an option, a second option. Think of it. The mausoleum doesn't have a revolving door. You die one time and one time only. There are no other opportunities. Opportunities are now dead. There's no second chance. At the moment of your death, the door of grace will be closed for your life. We used to have a gal that attended this church until she moved away out of the area. Her name was Sue. She was a bank teller right down here at uh, Bank of America, used to be Standard Fed, right here by uh, Lakeside Mall. It's one of the banks I do my business at, and I had just pulled into the parking lot. It was about, oh, 4.58, 4.59. I went running up to the glass door. There was Sue, and I thought, man, it's nice for her to greet me. It's nice for her to open up the door, Sue, from my church. And as I came running up to the door, click. I said, Sue, it's your pastor. Open up, you know me. Come on. I got to do some banking. Nope. <laughs> Bye. She turned her back and walked away on your pastor. <laughs> There's nothing that hurts more than a closed door, especially one that is shut in your face shut in your face and that's just what the Bible says will happen mark it down on judgment day Jesus said many will plead for the door to be opened they'll plead for another chance verse 25 if you stand outside knocking and pleading Lord open the door for us we ate with you you taught in our streets. Today we would say, we went to church. My parents brought me to Sunday school. I grew up in the youth group. I know where to find verses in the Bible. I know about Jesus. He would say, but you don't know me. You know about me. But you don't walk and talk with me. You don't really know me. My granddad, as many of you know, used to preach his favorite sermon. You can miss heaven by 17 inches. 17 inches is the average distance between your head and your heart. Our churches today are populated with people that have a head knowledge. Some of them, some of them know enough about the Bible to preach just like me. They know the Bible. They know the Word, but they don't live it. They know about Jesus, but they don't know Him. It's no wonder Paul, even Paul the greatest apostle said, that I may know Him and the power of his resurrection. Do you really know him? Jesus is saying, he's letting us know that there's going to be a big shock on that day. There's going to be a major shock on that day. People that, they, that, that thought they knew him. People that thought they walked with him and talked with him. He'll sadly shake his head and lock the door 
as he shuts it in their face. I never knew you. Oh, you don't believe me? Look at verse 27. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you. You can't come in here. Guilty as you are. Go away. Then look at verse 28. And there will be great weeping and gnashing of teeth as you stand on the outside and see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets. For people will come from all around the world to take their places there. You see, back in that day and time, they thought that just because they were of Jewish heritage, that automatically they were in the door. What's the principle today? The principle is this today. Some of you, some of you, some of you believe that you can live on your parents' testimony. You can live on your parents' faith. That mom has enough religion for all of us. No, 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 no. You're setting yourself up for a terrible shot. You're setting yourself up for the door to be shut in your face on that day. You must have a fresh encounter with God. You must walk with Jesus. You must know Him. That's hard preaching, Pastor. This is Mom's Day. I know, but it's God's Word. And today is the day of salvation. Today the door of grace is open. It's open. Why do you ignore? Why do you go along the way and say, it'll happen to somebody else? Every one of those celebrities that I named that died unexpectedly, they thought that too. That it always happens to somebody else. The one absolute certainty and fact of life is death. The statistics are quite impressive. One out of one people dies. And then the judgment. Then the judgment. The judgment. On that day of days, Jesus said there's going to be some surprises. Verse 30, Jesus said, note this, note this. Some who are despised now, some who are last now, little thought of now, will be greatly honored then. Some who are highly thought of now will be least important then. The chairwoman, the chairwoman, the chairperson of a large city charity all of a sudden woke up in eternity. She woke up in heaven. This woman who was renowned for her administrative leadership skills in this vast uh, city, county, statewide charity. Great work done. Wakes up in heaven. And she notices on the streets of gold, Rolls Royce, Porsche, Lamborghini, Ferrari, Cadillacs, everywhere on the streets of gold. And she asked the angels, what's this all about? The angel said, those are the rewards you get when your good works come up. This is what you get in return. I want to remind you, salvation is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Salvation is free. Okay? Your good works do not earn you heaven. Only what Jesus did on the cross can get you into heaven. But your good works will get you rewards in heaven. 
In this story, Lamborghinis, Rolls Royces, Cadillacs. She put her hands together and she said, oh, I wonder what I'm getting. I'm wondering what I'm getting. And out comes St. Pete wheeling a Schwinn bicycle. No! No! At least a Cadillac! St. Pete shrugged his head sadly and said, we can only reward you with what you sent up. What you sent up. Yes, great administration work, but you never did anything personally. Not much. So she went away pedaling that bike the tears flowing down her cheeks. <laughs> and Pete, he sadly waved her on three days later in heaven. She comes wheeling that Schwinn, grinning from ear to ear. She was singing a song. And St. Peter was puzzled. Uh, how is it that you left here so depressed, but now you're so happy? She said, I just saw my pastor. I just saw him on roller skates. There's going to be some shock in heaven. Jesus said there's going to be some real surprises. Those that had, a, had the, the spotlights on them, the applause here and now, then the, the first will be last. The last will be first. Be aware of that. Surprises. Surprises. If you miss heaven, on this Mom's Day, I want to remind you, if you miss heaven, you'll remember every time Mom pled with God in prayer for you. That you'd go to heaven and not to hell. If you miss heaven, you'll remember every time your mother and your loved ones pled with you to get right with God, but you would not. If you miss heaven, you'll remember every sermon that this pastor and other pastors preached Every opportunity that you had to get right with God and to give your life to Jesus. But you would not. If you miss heaven, you'll plead. You'll plead for another chance. But now, it's too late. The door of grace has been shut. It's been slammed in your face. Locked. The day of second chances is now over. But there's good news. You want to hear some good news this morning on Mom's Day? You want to hear some good news? Oh, if you don't want to hear good news, well, just stop right now. You want to hear some good news? The good news is this. The door of grace is still open. It's still open. Praise God. Oh, come on. Let's get more excited than that. It's still open. Oh, mark it down. There's five words that are the main theme of Jesus' message. Five words. Five words. Circle them. Underscore them. Jesus said the door to heaven is narrow. Work hard to get in. Work hard to get in. Today, too many pulpits are preaching easy believism. And I'm telling you, it takes some effort to get in. 
Christianity is not for wimps. Being a Christian isn't for sissies. There's too much easy believism that's out there today. There's too many that are preaching and teaching. Oh, if you just come to my church, you go to heaven. If you just become a member of this church, you're going to heaven. If you were baptized as a baby, you're going to heaven. If you're such and such a religion, you're going to heaven. Jesus hit that square on its face. And he said, you're going to have to work hard to get through the narrow door. Now, Jesus did the work of grace on the cross. Salvation is free. Will you say that with me? Salvation is free. But discipleship will cost you everything. Being a Christ follower will take all of your energy. It, it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you popularity. It, it'll cost you maybe prestige, position, prosperity. It, it'll cost you giving up things for your love for Jesus. It'll cost you to be a follower of Jesus Christ and be able to say in this world, I'm going to stand up for Jesus and I'm not going to put up and I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to follow the crowd. I've decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me, I have decided to sell out for Jesus. It's no wonder Jesus said, count the cost. Count the cost. Jesus wasn't into numbers. Jesus didn't play the numbers game. There's many in the church today, they, they, you know, numbers speak of success. and They're into numbers. Jesus was into quality, not quantity. He said, count the cost. It takes a real man, it takes a real woman to be a Christ follower and to give up wrong relationships, give up wrong pleasures, give up wrong things. The door's narrow. Work hard. Strive to get in. That's why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Run the race that's been set before you. Finish your course. Like an Olympic gold medal winner. They eat, drink, and sleep winning. Is it about time you give your all to Jesus? Jesus said, work hard. Work hard to get in. That means pray hard as never before. That means study His Word hard as never before. That means love people hard like Jesus. That means be like Jesus. Work hard at it. That means trust God hard each and every day. You might say, well, it's just impossible. He says, with God, all things are possible to them that believe. Well, I'm just too weak. You don't understand my situation. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with the wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Well, I'm sick. I am your Jehovah Rophe, he says. I am the Lord that healeth thee. But nobody loves me. I loved you so much, God says. I sent my best to die for you. My only begotten son. Uh, I have too many needs. 
I am the Lord thy God, and I will supply all of your needs in my riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But I feel all alone. I'm the only one following Jesus. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. But I'm going down in defeat. <laughs> I'm afraid. This battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Greater is He that's within you than he that's within this world. If God be for us, who can be against us? I am told, I am told that in the NFL, as many of you know, there's a two-minute warning. Two minutes for the teams to pull out all the stops. Two minutes in which the game is won or lost. Two minutes in which there is either victory or defeat. Two minutes in which they rally all of their energy to bring their energy to bear and working hard to win the game. Two minutes, 120 clicks on a clock. Two minutes. The average length of a song on the radio. Two minutes. About as much time it takes to brew the coffee that you enjoy so well. Two minutes. We're in God's two-minute warning. As I look at the prophecies being fulfilled all around us, as I look at the sheer fact that every morning when I look in the mirror, I'm not getting any younger. The time is short. And I need to live for God like there's no tomorrow. I need to pull out the stops as never before. The door of grace is open. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to seize opportunities as never before. We're in God's two-minute warning. Time is about ready to wrap up. It did in Noah's generation. And like the players on an NFL team, we need to encourage one another. We need to be empowered in the Holy Spirit. We need to enter into God's presence as never before because the door of grace is about to be closed. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to seize opportunities that have come our way. Seize today's opportunities in Jesus. Write that down. Seize it today. They may never come again. Do it today before it's too late. Do it today before the door is shut. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bow our heads, we close our eyes. And Lord, we look within and pray. Speak to us, God. Are you right with God? If you woke up in eternity... Would that door be shut? Do you know that you know that you know with a certainty that you're where you should be in Jesus Christ? That you have a home in heaven? Is there absolute confidence or are you setting yourself up for a shock on that day of days? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. 
Christians are praying. Moms are praying. There's no looking around in the privacy, the sacredness of this moment. I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. This prayer will make you right with God. This prayer will give you new joy. This prayer will give you new hope. This prayer will change your life in the here and now, and it'll change it for all of the hereafter. Do you want to be included in this prayer? The door of grace is still open. Do you want to seize the moment? If you want to be included in this prayer that I'll pray, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Show your faith by lifting up your hand right now. Lift it up right now so that I can see it. Lift it up high like you mean it. Yes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How many more? Nine, ten. God bless you. Eleven, twelve. How many more? Lift it up high. Remember, Christianity is not for sissies. Amen. Twelve. How many more? How many more? I don't want to leave anyone out. Thirteen. God bless you. How many more? Moms are praying. Fourteen. Fifteen. Moms are praying. Come on, moms. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. Cry out to God. It takes some real doing to reject those prayers. Keep those hands lifted up. Keep those hands lifted up. How many of you, you know Jesus, you're born again, but you want to redouble your efforts. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ this morning. Would you lift up your hands as well? Lift up your hands as well. It's been lukewarm lately. Yes, 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 yes. Throughout the sanctuary. God bless you. Let's pray. Let's pray. I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud, especially those who have lifted up their hands. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now before an open door. And I want to seize the moment. I confess, Lord, that you know me better than I know myself. I confess I've sinned. I've come up short. I'm lukewarm. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. I walk through the door of grace and I seize your love, your grace, your salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for opening up the door. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this.